Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. everyone you are listening to the latest flyers talk podcast i am jordan hall and as always i am joined by the wonderful brooke desha we have plenty of flyers chatter for you amidst this offseason and as we look toward the 2020-21 season and brooke a popular topic right now is how the 2020-21 season will actually unfold how it will transpire in which fashion there's no distance too far for the perfect trip Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. And one popular topic is division realignment. And recently on ESPN.com, Greg Wyshynski, one of their insiders, had a story looking at that. He had a few sources tell him um, of a possible division realignment concept. And what it is, is it has four divisions. One is a Canadian division, all Canadian teams. Uh, One is a East division. One is a Central division. And one is a West division. A few of those divisions actually mix Eastern Conference and Western Conference teams. And, Brooke, I think one of the most notable things about the Flyers being in that East Division is that there is a specific team missing, the Pittsburgh Penguins. What do you think about that? I understand the thought process of division realignment. It's something that's not new to the NHL. It's happened time and time again because of growth, because of teams relocating, and so forth. I do get the concept of, I mean, I don't think that this is something that should be set in stone. If it was something for a COVID reasoning behind doing this for just one season or something along those lines, sure. Why not? It keeps the Canadian teams together, which I think is great because of the health. I mean, again, we don't really know what, there's still so much that we don't know about this upcoming season. Mm -hmm. Because will we have bubbles? Will we have, like, the, the, there's a lot of unknown. Absolutely. To put things simple. Um, it's, I don't know. I don't know, Jordan Hall. I'm personally not a fan of this one because, hmm. Well, it sounds, I, like, it sounds like part of the reason they want to do this is 
for a few COVID reasons being um, it alleviates the length of your travel. Um, and then obviously it would be cost effective as well. So obviously with this pandemic and the league being in a different climate financially, um, it could cut down on some cost and it would certainly shorten the length of your travel. But you really, when, you, when you're thinking of um, TV networks, uh, putting obviously these games on TV and attracting fans to watch and ratings having to be high, uh, yeah, you, you possibly can miss out on some rivalry matchups like Flyers-Penguins. Is that, Brooke, is that one of the things where you're just like, no. And then not only that, uh, the Bruins, for Flyers fans listening, we, we will, let's just rip off the East and the Flyers division. So in Greg Wissenschi's article on ESPN, this is a concept that he's heard from a few sources being discussed for a possible uh, division realignment for the 2021 season. It would have the Bruins, Sabres, Hurricanes, Devils, Islanders, Rangers, Flyers, Capitals, all in the East. Obviously, the Penguins would not be in there. And then the, Bru- the Bruins, a pretty, pretty darn good team, would be in that division too. So, Brooke, yeah, what, what are your impressions kind of of that? I mean, not even from just the rivalry standpoint. I just think that it's mm, – I don't – Listen, it's the end of the week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My brain is running at maybe 4% functionality right now. Yeah. Um, so I'm really trying to understand. I think it'd be strange for the Flyers to not see the Penguins that frequently um, mm-hmm. throughout the season. But again, we're looking at a condensed year anyways. So I don't think that even regardless of if this division goes in place, even if it didn't, even if there was an 82-game season this year and the um, – or not an 82-game season, but the divisions were the same, chances are you're still not going to see each team four times. Right. So it's definitely interesting. Um, in terms of safety and cost efficiency, it does make sense. Sure. It makes sense for a season like this. However, I don't like it for normalcy, you know, because yeah, I'm with you. Like, I don't really have like a hard opinion on it. I understand um, the aspects of doing it for safety reasons and for cost efficiency. hundred um, percent. Like they're going to have to do whatever they can to get this season in. Right. And we know it could be 60 games. It could be different divisions. Um, could be no fans, could be some fans, uh, everything. Like you said, it's so much up in the air. Uh, whatever it takes to to get the season in and do it safely, I'm on board with. And if it oh, means sure. if it and if it means some weird divisions, I guess you got to do it. But I'm with you. I I, I like the current divisions, um, and I do worry that if they have to go go forward with divisional realignment and just some kind of odd things that we don't typically see, some people might put an asterisk on this season. They might look back on it. Whoever wins or whomever whomever struggles. They might look at look back and say, "Well, you know, that was just a really weird season. Remember that one division? Remember there wasn't that many games, and we played this team many times, and we didn't see the Penguins." I just have a feeling that there's going to be a lot of a lot of chatter about that and just debating the legitimacy of the season. That's what I kind of worry about. But hey, whatever it takes, you know, I'm on board with. If if we see the Flyers playing the Bruins more than the Penguins, oh, my stress level is going to go up a little bit more. Tis the season to thrill at the Nissan year-end sales event. Get in, then get out, and experience the most riveting ride of the year in a brand new Nissan. These savings on Nissan's lineup are sure to raise your pulse. 
And Brooke, that kind of brings us to a topic we wanted to have some fun with. If this divisional realignment did happen and say the Penguins were not in the Flyers division, there goes that rivalry, right? There's not that much of a, that intense rivalry that we've grown to love. If you're looking at that division that Craig Wyszynski had on ESPN, if you had to think of the most intense matchup moving forward for the Flyers, what would it be? I think there's some actually good choices there um, that we could pick. Definitely. I mean, I've growing up, I've always felt that for every two people in Philly that thought Pittsburgh was the biggest rivalry, there was always one that was very high on the Rangers mm-hmm. and this hatred toward New York. So I feel like that would probably shift gears in terms of the divisional thing where the Rangers would kind of step forward and take that hold as being a number one rival. Um, I mean, personally, I don't think anything will ever top the Pittsburgh rivalry. It's the era I grew up in. And I mean, even before I was born, that was the consensus between Flyers and Penguins. But I don't think people would necessarily hate seeing the Rangers that often, especially given they have so much young talent now. And with the Flyers up and coming with their talent as well, it could be a really interesting error between those two teams and this dynamic moving forward with them. Also, I mean, I've always hated personally the Bruins because of um, the playoffs in 2009, 2010, but when the Flyers came back in the best of seven. Um, But from that point forward, I really watched the Bruins thoroughly and there was a huge dislike for them for those reasons I mean I love the fact that they won but you know a few years later Boston had the cup so (laughs) who really who really lost in the end the Flyers (laughs) both times (laughs) so it would be interesting to see how that would unfold having to see Boston more than twice a year Um, but yeah my, my bet would probably be the Rangers because it seems the most, the most fitting. Yeah, Brooke, I really like that Rangers pick. I kind of see something brewing there uh, with the aspect of exactly what you said. You know, a Rangers team that looks kind of up and coming with their youth, and then the Flyers have something similar with their youth and net and their younger players on the blue line and in the forward groups. Obviously, the proximity of New York, Philly. And then you even forget the whole Elaine Vigneault, Kevin Hayes um, aspect of it. Two, uh, you know, former Rangers, obviously, Elaine Vigneault had a pretty successful run in New York. And it, there always seems to be a little bit of, maybe a little bit of animosity or bitterness in terms of how he was fired after just one year missing the playoffs, after doing some pretty good things there. And then Kevin Hayes, um, always, I think there was always something there with him, too, in New York. Uh, he has moved on. He is happy to be in Philly. But uh, New York kind of moved on from him. They, uh, they did not really want to commit to him long term. And then they traded him. So um, you had that aspect as well. So that's a fun one. I was with you. I'm, the other one I thought was the Bruins. Just because we know Boston, Philly. We know what that means to Philadelphians. We know that, what that means to the people in Boston. And there's two good teams. Uh, Philly and Boston were kind of up there in the Eastern Conference last season. Uh, competing for really Eastern Conference supremacy in that round robin. Um, so I really think that was a good one. I could see Boston and Philly having two really good teams next season. 
And uh, I could see that all of a sudden kind of becoming a little rivalry within this weird pandemic, obviously, uh, impacted season. So, yeah, Boston. And, uh, and I think one not to forget is the Capitals. Capitals could be a fun one with Peter. Yeah, Lock. they never go away. They yeah, never right. Go away. They never the go Caps away. Are like they're like a little gnat. Yes, <laughs> they, they they buzz around you. They never they never really irritate you, but they're always kind of there buzzing. You know, that's a, per- it's a perfect <laughs> way to put it. Like we see them on the rivalry nights with the Flyers. Like I don't think they're incredibly hated. I don't think Alex Ovechkin is hated by Philly. I think people respect him. No, there's a lot of respect for Ovechkin here. Right. Uh, and then obviously, no, you know, Philly always is going to have kind of a soft spot in our heart for Peter Laviolette. But hey, now he's behind the bench for DC trying to get them back to um, a Stanley Cup. So there, there are some people in the Flyers' way. And uh, I think it's going to make for some fun possibilities in terms of rivalries and intense matchups. But like you said, nothing really, I think, compares to the Penguins rivalry for Philly people. Flyers Talk is presented by Wells Fargo. When our communities need us, Wells Fargo is here to help. Well, Brooke, we're starting to see some more Flyers prospects in action. That's an exciting thing. We're hoping to see more and more good things for the world of hockey amid the pandemic. Uh, Health and safety, of course, is first and foremost, but it's good to see some of these kids starting to play in their respective leagues or, you know, in college. Um, That's great to see because we know those kids have not played in a long time and you want to see them playing hockey and enjoying, enjoying hockey. And one exciting prospect that we, that we saw get underway recently was Cam York. Uh, the Flyers' 2019 first-round pick. Uh, he's a sophomore at Michigan, and Michigan just had their season start uh, last weekend, and they're even starting to play more games. They play Thursday and Friday of this week in, against Wisconsin, and York had a very nice start. He had a three-point game in their opener uh, with a goal and two assists. Uh, they swept Arizona State in a two-game series. Very impressive prospect, broke uh, defenseman, very elusive, mobile guy. We know the club has some very impressive prospects on the blue line. Brooke, if you had to pick one that maybe you're most excited about, and there's, like we said, plenty to pick from, if you had to pick one, who would it be? So we're go- I'm going to say outside of Cam York because I think right yeah. now York is easily a top three prospect in the system, not just defensively, I think overall. And this past weekend kind of just showed – how much he has emerged since last year and how much he has grown as a player, both skillfully and intellectually. So it's, I'm still so happy with that draft pick from the Flyers. So let's, let's pick someone aside from Cam York, because I I think that that a lot, I think a lot of eyes are going to be on him. So let's kind of shift gears a little bit. Yes. Um, And I feel like, I, I don't know. I feel like he's been, this one's kind of been underrated a little bit as of late. Um, he will be with the Phantoms if and when this season does start off. But he was um, in Everett with the Silvertips, Wyatt Wiley. Yeah. Um, and he's, he's just, he's an interesting defenseman in the sense of he... It's, it's interesting how to put it because there are times where he can really emerge as a true leader in his game, but he also already has this sense of when he's, when he knows, okay, I need to take two steps back. I need to play the basic game. I need to just do what is expected of me. And I think that 
for his age. I think that shows a lot of maturity for some of the younger players. I think that he's going to easily become one of the top guys with the Phantoms very quickly because, I mean, let's just, let's look at the last uh, season that he had in Everett. So through 62 games, yes, the season did get cut off a bit because of everything going on with COVID. He had 14 goals and 50 assists as a defenseman. Yeah. So you know how Philadelphia loves those offensively sound defensemen in this city. So I think he's a player personally. I think he's got a really great personality and head on his shoulders as well. And that's always a bonus because you, you, the players are representations of your team. So when you go out there and you're looking at some of the younger guys as well, it gives you a lot to look forward to in the sense of you're rooting for them and you want them to succeed. And I always say Taryn and I were joking about it earlier in the week. And we were joking about how some of these guys through flyers, Twitter call these players, their large adult sons, (laughs) because you look at it in like a parent sense and you want them to succeed. And whenever they do, you, you just feel like a sense of you're so proud yeah. to be able to do that. So <laughs> I guess that's kind of a sense with uh, Wyatt Wiley and you just, you know what he's capable of. So I'm really curious to see how he adapts his game to the AHL because I think that he'll be able to transfer his play pretty, pretty easily. So I'm looking at Wyatt Wiley. Again, I do think that York is that top blue line prospect that we have right now, but he's another one to keep an eye on. I'm glad you decided to pick someone other than Cam York, because that was, like you said, it just, he is by far the cream of the crop for the, for the Flyers defensive uh, uh, prospects in the system, a hundred percent. But yeah, why, why, what a good one. Very under the radar, like you said, because you think of some of the names, Cam York, Igor Zamula, Wyatt Kalanuk was getting a lot of praise before he uh, left the organization to sign in Chicago, because he was uh, putting up points in Wisconsin. Wiley just kind of quietly got better and better and better in Everett and became a point-per-game guy. And, yeah, really looks out for his own end. Really sound there. Always a really good plus-minus guy uh, in the WHL. And I can see his game really transitioning well to the pro level because he's just very smart, very smart, sound. Maybe not crazy high upside for offense, but exactly what you said uh, – could really look he gets, at he gets the job done. Exactly. You know, he doesn't need to be that the guy. Right. You know, he just wants to be able to contribute to helping his team be better. And I think that that's – you need guys like that where they don't need to be the leader. They just need to know how to handle the coming situations. So, Right. You see a guy like Robert Hay kind of understand who he is. Uh, he knew he wasn't going to be a point producer in the NHL – um, he wasn't going to be racing up the blue line. I just plays his role, plays a simple game, uh, very cliche, obviously. But hey, he's 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 making a career out of it, just being simple, getting the puck out of his own end and keeping it out of his own end. And then when the puck's in his own end, be physical and uh, you know kill plays. So yeah, Wyatt Wiley, very good pick. I love that one. Um, and the Flyers have some. We we have some really good guys to pick from. I, you even think of Emil Andre, who they just drafted uh, in this most recent draft. Uh, Linus Hogberg, who's going to be when, – when and if the AHL season starts, he'll be in his first uh, AHL season uh, right now playing back over in Sweden right now during all of this. Um, you know, even Ronnie Adder, 
uh, the big defenseman playing for Western Michigan, who was drafted uh, in not this past draft, but the one before that, scored 30 goals in the USHL. An exciting player there. Um, for me, I'll have to go Igor Zamula. I just – I've been high on him you, for a you're while. Always, you're so yeah. high on Zamula. I think rightfully so. But, yeah, yeah gas him up real fast. Yeah, I think <laughs> – Go for, for it, Jordan. We, we've, me and you have definitely been high on him. And I, he's probably a guy that's, like, right there with York in terms of, I think, fan excitement over blue liners in this system. I think him and York are really kind of neck and neck there. York in a different situation, a little further away, given he's in, you know, he's in college right now, a little younger. Igor Zamula, though, going into his first professional season with the, with the Phantoms, uh, all the skill in the world, all the length in the world. The organization is so high on him. Undrafted kid who has developed, works hard, good practice habits, offensive upside, uh, smooth skater, just everything you should be excited about. I remember I asked Mike Yo, the Flyers assistant coach who oversees the defenseman, I asked him in July, um, now that he's gotten to see Zambula a little bit more up close in the return to play training camp. And I asked him, what, what are you excited about this kid? And he laughed and he said, uh, everything, everything. There's just a lot to be excited about him. So it's hard not to be excited about Igor Zamula. Uh, but I just love, I think the Flyers should be excited. They have a lot of, a lot of guys. The fact that we had to think long and heartbroken about who we wanted to pick outside of York for a defenseman to be excited about. The fact that we had a lot of options has to be a good thing. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, Zamula traveled with yeah. them to the bubble. Yeah. So I think that that alone just kind of says if another uh, defenseman goes down for any kind of reason next season, Zamula is going to be the go-to, yeah. which is exciting for him and I think exciting for Flyers fans because those who have been watching him very closely, and you know that there are those handful of fans that are so keen on the prospects, and I love it. I respect the crap out of it. <laughs> they are going to watch him play and just have have that pride moment, that proud yeah. large adult son moment, yeah. I guess, with him as well. So yeah. it's it's really fun, but like you said, it's really great that we do have a handful of defensemen that we can pick from outside of Zamula and York. So, And Brooke, I'm sorry to cut you off. I'd be remiss if I even didn't mention Mark Freeman and Mason Millman. Uh, you know, two kids. Uh, Freeman is a guy, obviously, uh, maybe fans aren't super excited because he's been in the AHL. He's been in the system for a while and they've drafted some other defensemen who have kind of put him down the ladder a little bit in terms of uh, maybe climbing to the flyers um, or being excited about a prospect. But yeah, Chuck Fletcher said since he's been with the organization, um, since he was hired as general manager, Freeman's probably been the most improved player in the organization. That speaks volumes to what Mark Freeman has done. And uh, it seems like he's right there on the depth chart in terms of being the next guy. And Mason yeah. Norman, an exciting guy in the OHL uh, that you want to keep an eye on. Yeah, I think it's it's really important. It's funny. It's funny that you mentioned them because I think what people still need to understand is that every single player develops differently. Yep. So while Friedman may not be one of the youngest, you know, shiniest new toys in the prospect pool that for the Flyers, yep. he doesn't have to be. Mm -mm. You know because. Everyone develops at a different pace, at a different rate. If, if 
he gets the call this year. And like you said, Vigneault seems very impressed with how he has developed just in one year. Mm. So it, it means a lot for players to know that the coach is rooting for them and supporting them and wants them to succeed. So that's just going to come into play with Friedman so much going into this year. And who knows, he could emerge yeah. as that next guy. Because in the sense of prospects, like you noted, he's, he's kind of overlooked. He's yeah. kind of an underdog and he's been with the Phantoms for a bit now. So prove us wrong, Mark Friedman. Make that, make that jump. Get that roster spot. Let us cheer you on, man. 100%. I just think it's, it's always so, it's so much fun when you watch guys like that. So I hope we get that feeling. Yeah. And kudos to the Flyers for really, you know, they obviously kind of shifted their organizational philosophy once Ron Hexall took over as GM to really draft, develop, and really build on the back end. It's such a crucial area that organizations value so highly. Um, I think they value depth on the back end like it's gold. And uh, the organization has really built up the prospect pool to the point where we're talking about numerous defensemen, and that's exciting. And, Brooke, hopefully we will see more of these defensemen on the, on the prospect level playing in their respective leagues, and hopefully we'll see them soon with the Flyers, uh, and hopefully we will be seeing Flyers hockey soon. We'll have to wait and see how things develop. Uh, they, are con- they are consistently developing, I think, uh, all the storylines within the league are consistently developing day in and day out. And we will have all the latest for you on Flyers Talk Podcast. But Brooke Destra, thank you as always. And Flyers fans, thank you. Thank you for listening as always. This is the latest Flyers Talk Podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, please rate and subscribe. And we cannot wait to talk to you next time.